Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union. Today's guests had dreams for the next phase of their lives, but God had other plans. You are going to be challenged as you hear from Pastor Morris Johnson and his wife, Derry. I hope you enjoy our conversations. Pastor Johnson, Mrs. Johnson, I am so excited that you agreed to let me come and interview you today. We were honored to have you. Well, welcome to the podcast. I fell in love with you the first time I heard you speak. I believe it was at an Alabama WMU event. And the stories you told, I fell in love immediately. So you're a pastor. You were about ready to retire, ready to kick back. And God had other plans for you. Right. Tell us about that. That was in 2014. And I decided we were just going to hang the shingles up. Mm-hmm. Says I'm just going to enjoy myself. As a matter of fact, I wanted to get a Winnebago <laughs> and travel the road. And she brought it up this morning. Said, we should have done that. <laughs> Got the Winnebago and just got away. The children called. We're in Colorado. We, we're in Washington. <laughs> we're here. But sitting at home Sunday and watching Gardendale's First Baptist Church, and they sung a song about God is not finished and he wants to use you. And the song just touched me. You should have found the remote real quick. <laughs> Cut it off. <laughs> It touched me and it moved me. And I said, we have to plant a church. That's going to be our calling. And she said, you're serious? Well, I can do the paperwork. (laughs) And she did all the paperwork and we got approved through the state. I think it was two weeks later, we said we're going to have our first service. We had it in a funeral home. So you, you accepted the call to plant a church, and you said two weeks later we're going to start this church? Right. That's pretty ambitious. It, it was ambitious. <laughs> it was. Two years later, I found out I did everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still here uh, because the stats said usually six years, you either going to make it or not, and we're over the six-year mark. So I guess I know we have the favor of God. On us. I uh, believe you yeah. do. So tell me about that first service in the funeral home. The first service in the funeral <laughs> home was great. We had an awesome time. I guess about five months into it, we were getting ready for service. I was on the other side of the funeral home. One of the members came in the chapel and she said, Reverend Johnson. And I said, Yes, ma'am. I know you're not taking these kind of members in. I said, what? And that was this man in the casket. And I said, no, no, not at all. In the chapel where you were about ready to have service. service. (laughs) And so I called the director of the funeral home and told him, you got to come get this man out of here. (laughs) Because I wouldn't touch it. Okay, so you're getting ready to retire and live the life of leisure, and he gets called to plant a church. And you must have accepted the call pretty readily to say, I could do the paperwork. What happened to your dreams of the Winnebago? Well, 
And he was serious. He didn't have a smile. He said, this is what we're going to do. And I did ask him, are you serious? I said, well, where you go, I will follow. As long as you're following the lead of the Lord, I'll follow. That's when I told him I'll do the paperwork with my legal practice. Very familiar with doing that. That's why we were able to get it done in speed time. (laughs) Right. As we went through, as he stated, he found out, number one, we started the services in the funeral home and we learned through our training, don't start in a funeral home. (laughs) Well, I was about to ask that question. How did the discussion come about? Where should our church meet? I was talking to a friend. I was thinking of using either a seven-day advantage facility or after another church worship. And we have this mutual friend who owns a funeral home. And he said, you can use my place. And I think (laughs) free of charge. When he said that, that got me. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's kind of smart. It's not used on Sunday, probably. There's no Sunday. It's got a beautiful chapels, usually. But they said not to do that. Not to do that. Not to do it because signifies death. And so it says it's not a good idea. Well, how long were you in the funeral home? We stayed there about six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then surely you didn't move into this facility from the funeral home. We rented a, a sanctuary in North Birmingham. It was the old 45th Street Baptist Church. Maybe before your time, uh, Dr. Carter was raised in that church. We stayed there. Mm-hmm. About about two years. I think we had five members. Yeah, five or six. Doing the whole time we were there, a lot of work in the community. I think we accomplished our end there because right in front of this sanctuary, the drugs, the alcohol, the language. Matter of fact, one Wednesday we went and they had set up a party on the sidewalk in front of the sanctuary. And I had to call the police. We had to disband the crowd there. So I had to kind of befriend the crowd instead of making enemies with them so they wouldn't run me away from that side of town. So I think we gained back the respect from that group who was setting up and the drug users on the corner. About a week later, I was pulled over by the police right at that church parking lot. And I said, what have I done? I failed to get a tag on my car and they pulled me. I said, well, I'm the pastor right here. And they told me, pastor, not you need to get your tag. But uh, we felt like this was the part of town God really wanted us to be in. We were united with the Birmingham Baptist Association. So then we joined the Bessma Baptist Association as well because Bessma had some churches closing up in the area and we thought we'd had a better opportunity to get a facility in this area. So after three tries at different facilities in the area, we finally got this one and I think we got the 
best one. The right one. It is a beautiful facility. And you're about to celebrate five years yes. of being here. Yes, you're right. And six years total? Actually, it's eight years. Eight years, eight okay. In your retired ministry. Yes. It's been an interesting journey uh, because it's where God leads, we have to follow. Yes. And so many times, us, and I'm saying us as pastors, we as people, we try to get ahead of God and think we can figure this thing out, but we can't figure it out. Every time I want to give up, God step in and he shows out. Praise God. We've only had, out of this year, we've only had one in-house meeting, and I actually called the congregation in and told them in about two weeks we locked the doors and wouldn't come back anymore because the funds wasn't there. After those two weeks, God said, I'm not finished with you. So he made a way for us to get the funds, to keep the ministry going, and the outreach to our community. I think we got better exposure because they need, and we were here, to meet mm -hmm. the needs in our community. So now I can go through the community or stand on the block and they say, there's pastor, there's our pastor. May not belong here, but they call you pastor. So you may not have had that opportunity were it not for COVID. Exactly. Because you would have been doing all the church activities right. and that would have been consuming your time. Right. Praise God for that. Yes. What have you learned in eight years? I've learned to be still and let God have his way. Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing God, he mentioned we need to always find God and join Him in the Word. So many times we try to get ahead of God. I think it comes in our unbelief. It's helped my unbelief. And so many times we preach God can do anything, but then we get faithless and don't believe he can do it. So I believe God can do. And all I need to do is take self out of the way and let God have his way. Listen to that voice Amen. of God. Mrs. Johnson, I'm gonna ask the question a little different way. You were a pastor's wife until he retired and then you became a church planter's wife. How is that role different? The difference is the foundation of traditional ministry was already set before. And with church planting, the brick and mortar foundation, the policy, the ministry, the do what, the all of the hats that one have to wear in the traditional church, they are not worn. And I can but. imagine where you were, you were beloved as a pastor and pastor's wife. And then I'm guessing when you go to be a church planter, that love is not already built in. No, it's not. We kid each other when someone visits or come and asks, well, how is church planting? And I said, to be honest with you, I love it. It's hard. I wear so many hats and I'm accustomed to multitasking just because of my previous experience and what I do. 
outside of this particular ministry in this community. So I'm accustomed to wearing many hats, but I am clerk, administrative assistant, janitor, preschool class teacher, director of the children's ministry, VBS trainer, and encourager. I'm there with him. I'm still in. I'm in. All hands up. I I clean the kitchen. I clean the stove. I mop the floors. However, it is a pleasure. It is an honor to be able to work in this vineyard. We found out when we initiated some research in the community, we found out that there are so many individuals who are broken who need to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. We found out that this is a transitional community. Even though we are surrounded by at least three churches Mm -hmm. in walking distance, but there's still so much brokenness. We're here to be obedient to God's call. It's hard. It's hard, but the joy with which yes. you serve is evident. Yes. I'm going to ask both of you, Pastor Johnson, what would you say to church planters? And Mrs. Johnson, what would you say to church planters' wives to encourage them? Because the work is so incredibly hard. And I'm going to guess there are people today just about ready to throw in the towel. What would you say to them? I would say to them, make sure you're hearing the voice of God. Because if you step out, He'll make the way for you. Join the Baptist Church Planners Network. Get in that program. Because church planning and pastoring, they don't teach that in seminary. You get that after you get on the job. But in the Church Planners Network, They will give you the instructions, the teachings that you need. And the support team is there. John of the Southern Baptist Church Planners Network is awesome. Prepare the guys for the next steps that they need to take. And then the support team is there. Now I'm an encourager and I walk alongside a guy each month. I pray with him. Any concerns that he may have, I can help him walk through it, not to make the decisions for him, but ask him, what is God saying to you? And how are you going to let God handle this? So he won't get into him that it's all about him. It's all about God. And Mrs. Johnson, what, what advice would you give? I certainly would echo what Morris has said. And I would share the fact that the Southern Baptist Church Planners Network is a network that is definitely needed. A pastor's wife who is a church planter can have in that particular network access to resources that are national wide. Morris and I had the opportunity to go to at least one sin conference where church planning 
resources are there and people from all over. And we were able to sit down and share with one another and encourage one another. And everybody that I met said, I've just been a church planner for two months and it's tough. I am so glad that I'm not in this alone. From sin, I received notes every so often to say, we are praying for you. Keep going. Keep the faith. That is so much encouragement. The network is so important. Well, that sort of goes along with a follow-up question I want to ask. What should those of us who are not in a church plant do for people that are in a church plant? How can we encourage you? What's some of the most encouraging things that people have done for you? Well, I will go to WMU first. Hey, yeah. I didn't even ask for that. <laughs> yes. And one Sunday I had the nerve to say, if the women left the church, then I would be the first to follow them. Because if you want some work done, the women get it done. With the WMU, the Annie Armstrong offerings help church planners. And we have been tremendously blessed with funds that are needed for the ministry that came by the WMU. And your name, some kind of way y'all circulate the names through and those cards will drop even from missionaries, yes. India, uh, Indonesia, you, the Philippines, you get cards dropped in saying, we heard about your ministry praying for you and that just encourage you and mm -hmm. make you want to move on a little farther that encouragement is great that gives you the courage to take one more well, step yeah. and one sometimes that's all you need is hope for the day right that's right yeah and what from you mrs johnson what advice would you say to those that are sitting in the pew i would encourage them first of all before i respond to the pew, I would say it's critical that the church planter's pastor share with the congregation some education about what church planting is. Now, that was the one of the things that Morris did because a number of the individuals who came to work did not really understand church planting. So you're saying from the mother church, mm -hmm. do some education on that side before you enlist people to launch a church. Yes, it's really important to do that. And as individuals in the community come to join the ministry, they then need to have maybe a one day seminar on church planting. What does it mean? What is our role? We as the parishioners, what role do we play? What do we need to do? Until that understanding is there, they see church planning as a traditional church and it's totally different. Mm -hmm. We don't become the traditional church. We're still church planters. And Sandy, I would say the planter needs support from 
other churches. We establish a relationship naturally with our home church, the Sixth Avenue Baptist Church, who have been very supportive of our ministry, do monthly contributions to help us, and with the church at Macadory. Church at Macadory, when we bought this facility, and by the way, we bought the facility from the Baptist Children's Home, the congregation that was here, the last Sunday in August, they locked the door, gave the keys to the Baptist Children's Home. And the Monday, we told the Baptist Children's Home we wanted to look at it to see if we want to buy it. And they allowed us to look at it. Church never went on the market. We bought it from <laughs> the Baptist Children's Home. So the church at Macador and 6th Avenue walked beside us and paid the mortgage for us for the first three years. That's how uh, God works. That, yeah. that we were here. So you need some friends on the journey with you that will pray with you and help see the vision to buy into it. And there was also another encourager out there, and that's Josh Cook at the Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church. It's located about three to four miles up. Josh Cook said to Morris, we have a life center that we're not using. You all can use the life center. We, oh my goodness, what? What you need when you need it. When you need it, he will provide it. And I'll get back to our journey in ministering to the community. One interesting thing we ran into was a family in the community who needed some support. Pregnant, didn't have anything for the baby, and we managed to get in to get everything that she needed for the baby. We asked the church at Macadore and Hey, everybody responded. We even got her set up with the hospital to have the baby. And so the Sunday after church, I said to the congregation, we get all the items and we would take them to the home. Well, I knew the home, but they didn't. When we went to the home, there was this rebel flag in the yard. And... They stopped me and they said, Reverend, we're not going. We see the flag there. Are you sure it's safe? And I told them, we're safe in the hands of God. The flag is there. But he was the one that said, the pastor at that church has a big heart. Let's reach out to the church. I said, God is working with the man. So we need to go and be where God is working. Went in and had the best fellowship that yeah. we could have with that couple in that house. And they became great friends. And she comes to the church and liven our church up. And you know, I had an accident and was in the hospital. And when I had that accident, she came and she livened the facilities that I was in up over at Lake Shore. She came in all dressed up, cheerful, and 
Everybody on the floor was cheerful at how she responded to us. So we just thank God. That's such a beautiful word picture of being the hands and feet of Jesus right. and how it breaks down barriers. Right. Yes. Any Winnebago regrets over the last eight years? None at all. Praise God. And I still have time to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love you guys dearly. I'm so proud of what you're doing. A lot of people would have said, my time is done. I've done my ministry. How many years have you been in ministry? Oh, goodness. It's 30, 30. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 30. Morris, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you spent 13, spent 10, 13 that's 23. So, yeah. Yeah. In traditional ministry. And God has done some marvelous things. He's yes. done some marvelous things. In 30 things. years. The first church I pastored, the church burned down. The pastor died. And I came in the next year to pastor that church. It was amazing. We built the facility there and we paid for it in five years. And the people said, we can't do it. We can't spend this money. We poor people. And I said, God is rich. After we did, paid it off in five years, they said, you should have got us to build a bigger church. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your mind. Well, I'm going to ask you one, one last question. Isn't it amazing how every experience God leads you to have prepares you for his next assignment? Right. Yes. I'm guessing in your life it's kind of a good thing church planning didn't come first. Yes. It is. It is. It is. Because you could pastor and help you avoid some of the problems. Well, let me put it this way. You get an opportunity to correct the mistakes that was in the traditional. And if you mess up the church plant, nobody to blame but you. It's going to be that way for a long right. time. <laughs> well, I'm just so grateful that you would spend a few minutes with me this afternoon talking about your ministry and what God is doing through you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you thank for you. asking us to participate. Thank you. I'm just getting started, though. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. Pastor Morris and Derry are such amazing role models. I'm going to ask a favor of you that's a bit out of the normal. Would you write an encouraging note to Pastor Johnson and his wife? You can send it to 121 Ivy Avenue, Hueytown. That's H-U-E-Y-T-O-W-N, Hueytown, Alabama, 35023. We'll put the address in the show notes if you didn't get it. And while you're at it, send a note to a church planner family in your area. Your encouragement might just be the thing that gives them the courage to keep going. We'll see you next time. <laughs>